0: Welcome to Wisdom in the Word podcast, the show that not only answers your questions from God's Word, but equips believers with the foundational truths for their faith. We're excited that you've taken time to join us and hope that today's content is valuable to you. In today's episode, Pastor Wiley continues his study through the book of Hebrews. Welcome to Wisdom in the Word. We're glad that you're joining us here on this Tune Up Tuesday. We appreciate you taking time to watch us. If you're watching us on Facebook or you're watching us on YouTube, we hope that you will like and uh, you will comment down below. Let us know that you're there, that you're watching, even if you're watching later. Share this out to somebody else who might be interested in studying the Bible uh, with us and uh, encourage them to take a listen as we continue on in our study of the book of Hebrews. uh, Just a reminder, of course, course uh, Today, uh, Hebrews uh, chapter number twelve is where we're going. Uh, we have several it of the things that same. are happening, That's of course, highly. this it's week. Uh, tonight, Bible we will Bible. be having our uh, community prayer outreach. Uh, we'll be out uh, in the neighborhoods this evening. We hope that you'll join us at six thirty. Additionally, tomorrow evening, we've got our uh, midweek worship service, and then as we continue on, lots of other things happening uh, throughout the course of the week. Uh, things planned. And uh, we hope that you will uh, just, you know, mark down some of those things uh, that are coming, even as we go into the weekend. Uh, the vertical teams have their bowling outing coming up uh, on Saturday, as well as uh, the single Saints lunch that's coming up at 12 o'clock uh, on Sunday as well. Verticals got their snack after the Sunday evening service and uh, lots of other things that are happening as we move into this month of June. Lots of folks are traveling and gone as a result of vacations. And so we hope that you will pray for them as well. We are uh, today uh, looking at Hebrews chapter number 12, and we're picking up today in verses four through 11, Hebrews 12, four to 11. I'm going to take just a brief break here. Let everybody grab their Bibles, turn over there, and then I'll start, start the audio version of the podcast today. Welcome to Wisdom and the Word. We're glad that you're joining us for this Tuesday broadcast. On our Tune Up Tuesday, we are studying the Bible together, and to this uh, study, we are going through the book of Hebrews and studying what the writer teaches us, teaches the Jewish community, and also teaches us, as we read it, about the Lord Jesus Christ and Him being better. Uh, There's a better sacrifice. There's a better priest. There is a better a uh, better sacrifice which was given for us at Calvary. Today we're in chapter 12. We're going to begin reading in verse number four. We'll read down through verse number 11. The Bible says, Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin, and ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. And scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards, and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh, which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the father of spirits, and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, But he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby." Now, again, remember, as the continuing thought of Hebrews, we found in the end of chapter number 10, he's encouraging us on not drawing back, pressing on, pressing forward. Chapter 11, he gives us some examples, specific citations of people that the scriptures talk about who also press forward by faith. And again, it's all by faith. They have to continue. And he gave examples of things that they did by faith, great feats that were accomplished by faith. In chapter number 12, he tells us that our eyes need to be fixed while we're living by faith, need to be fixed on the Lord Jesus. Uh, There are a lot of things that can hinder us and drag us down. We need to remove those things from our lives so that we can run the race that God has given us, the race that Jesus ran already, and he is the author and the finisher of our faith. Now, as we continue on today, as we pick up in chapter number four, the writer helps us understand the ramifications of not removing some of these things, not removing those sins and not removing those weights with do, which do beset us, that there may be a necessity of God bringing about some measure of chastisement or correction in our life. I've entitled this particular section, Disciplined in Love, Disciplined in Love. And let me go back here a couple of chapters, just as we get started here today, as a kind of a reminder, as we've been talking about chapter number 10, you'll remember that as we go back, he continues to tell us that uh, we have a a high priest and a a better shadow. The shadow uh, is of Christ and Christ's sacrifice was better. He goes through that passage and then he gives them a warning, tells them to to hold fast and to, to draw near and to consider one. One another to provoke to love and good works, and then in chapter ten he's going to give a second warning, a warning very much like chapter six, where he follows up and he tells them that uh, that there is going to be sore punishment for those that uh, have rejected grace and returned back to the old system of Judaism. He would say to them, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And we said that this warning was very much like the warning of chapter 6 about apostasy, willfully walking away, willfully going in a different direction. Well, as we get to chapter number 12 and verse number 4, again, we can see the continuation of these thoughts. And I want to submit to you that as chapter, four, chapter 12 opens up in verse number 4, when we reach this particular section, what we are finding is we are finding the writer of Hebrews dealing with um, a, a group of people who are, uh, most of them are saved, Right, And we said in chapter number 10 that when, with apostasy, sometimes it's difficult to determine whether or not we're dealing with a saved individual or an unsaved individual. Now, as we get to chapter 12 and verse number four, one of the things that he makes clear in this text is that the way that we are to discern whether or not we are genuinely the sons and daughters of God is whether or not we receive the necessary chastisement that God wants to measure out and give to us. As We continue to move forward. That is, if we don't remove the weights and we don't remove the sins that we should remove, then there are consequences, ramifications in our life. God, as a loving father, will correct us and put us back on the right path. And that is a measure or a mark as to whether or not we should know that we are genuinely his or not. Let me submit to you here that I think that Hebrews 12 actually gives us the answer to the apostate question about whether or not we're dealing with people who are saved, who are unsaved. I think that that matter of whether or not those people who um, are struggling with whether they should continue or whether they shouldn't continue, I think that this passage actually helps deal with that particular question because it seems to boil down to a matter of individual salvation. In fact, it seems as though the way that we are to determine whether someone uh, walks away or falls away from their faith, whether or not that person genuinely knows the Lord would be determined by how God reacts to that falling away, whether God chastises them and brings about correction. And so I think sometimes we try and discern, we try and figure out whether people are genuinely saved. But the truth of the matter is, It's for them to determine whether or not they're saved on the basis of whether or not God brings about correction. Now, again, I've entitled this particular section Disciplined in Love, Disciplined in Love, and let's walk through some of these verses and maybe be helped a little bit in our own Christian life as to God's responsibility, and also God's purposes in bringing about discipline and correction into our lives if we get off task. Notice what he says in verse number four. He opens up in verse four about, and we'll use this phrase, resistance in comparison. Resistance in comparison. He says in verse number four, ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. Now, what is he saying here in this verse? Well, very simply, he's saying to them, they've been wrestling with their sin. They've been struggling with their sin. They've been striving and resisting uh, the sin. Again, these sins that he talks about in verse number one. But remember here in verse number four, he's telling us that you haven't resisted unto the point of blood. That is, there's no blood that's been drawn. Your fight and your warfare has not been a warfare that's ended in your death or ended in some form of punishment. That is, it can get worse, and it could get a lot worse. As you've been striving against sin, as we strive against sin, we know that our warfare is not against flesh and blood but it's against the spiritual work that's going on in us. And the writer here is simply saying there are some that have resisted and they have said no to sin, what they knew was sin, and as a result, it cost them their life. He's telling the people in Hebrews that they should continue to press on and press forward because their resisting has not yet resulted in that. Their resisting has not brought about any sort of, of physical punishment or, or even their own death in their culture. And so, in, in essence, while they have suffered and while they experience some measure of suffering, their suffering is nothing compared to those that have had to choose life, or sin, or death or sin, as he speaks of here in verse number four. So he talks about resistance in comparison, that is comparison to the people we talked about in Hebrews 11 and to others. Many of them knew people who, when they chose not to sin, they chose also death in that moment because of the the, the government authorities and because of the people that were demanding that they bow and that they obey. And so he helps us with that understanding of sin, and, and really and truthfully, when we talk about resisting sin ourselves, we don't resist in that fashion either. Uh, we we have the freedom and the choice. No one is compelling us to do something against our free will that would ultimately end in our death if we chose not to do it. And so there is a a great truth here in in our in our passage here that kind of helps us. Many Americans, they continue on in their sin, and they continue on in their struggle against sin, and they don't get rid of their sin because there's no one standing over them. There's no real consequence for either keeping their sin or getting rid of sin. Now, there is a consequence, and we know that in the next few verses, that consequence is God's chastisement, God's judgment, God's correction, which is going to come upon their lives. But again, when we compare ourselves with generations that have gone before, we have it pretty easy. You'll notice in verses 5 and 6, he moves from talking about resistance in comparison to a reminder by citation. He gives us a reminder in verses 5 and 6. He's quoting from the Proverbs, from Proverbs 3, verses 11 and 12. The Bible says here in verse 5, And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children, my son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If we go back to the book of Proverbs for just a moment, and we reference these two particular verses in Proverbs chapter 3 verses 11 and 12, we find very clearly that the writer of Hebrews is giving us a citation. He says in Proverbs 3, 11, my son despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father, the son in whom he delighteth. And so Paul is reminding us, or the writer of Hebrews is reminding us about in verses five and six of the citation of Proverbs 3, verses 11 and 12. He's reminding us that even Solomon back then told his son that he needed to be careful of the chastening of his father. Now, of course, in Proverbs 3, when we talk about uh, Proverbs, is really kind of dealing with the father-son relationship. And the father-son relationship in Proverbs is intended to be a reflection of the father-son relationship spiritually. That is, when we trust Christ as Savior, God becomes our heavenly father. And there's a warning there in Proverbs about the chastening of the Lord and he's going to tell us that God scourges or he chastens all of the children he says in this passage that he scourges everyone whom he delights in that is is his delight is in you he wants to correct you and keep you on a path and so he reminds the the people there and we need to be reminded right we need the reminder just as we read here in this passage and we're reminded today, or if we are in, the, in God's house and we're reminded, or we're in our devotional time and we're reminded, we need to be constantly reminded of these things. You know, the scriptures were written for our admonition and our exhortation as a reminder of the things that we know of God. What do we know of God? We know that God is a loving God, that he delights in us, but also when we take our delight away from him, God wants to help us restore our delight in Him, and the way that He does that is it bring, brings about chastisement, correction into our lives. Proverbs three is are those verses, and the writer of Hebrews here is quoting those verses to help us be reminded of the fact that God wants for us what is best, and we know that God will pursue that in our lives, and the way He pursues it pursues it is through loving um, loving correction, loving discipline in our lives. And so he gives them a reminder by citation in verses five and six. Then in verses seven and eight of our text, he talks about relationship with confirmation. Relationship with confirmation. You know, a lot of people struggle with their salvation. They struggle sometimes with doubts about their salvation. We Sometimes we overthink the fact that we know the Lord, and sometimes we're in disobedience, and we wonder if I was really saved, would I do those kind of things? Would I act in that way? You'll notice in verses 7 and 8, he's going to tie the concept of chastening and correction to this matter of relationship. In fact, he says in verse 7, if ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. Now, out of this quote from Proverbs 3, he's now going to tell us that if God is chasing us, us, he's dealing with us as a father does his children. That should bring a measure of comfort to us. Even though we know that that chastening is not pleasant, even though we know that we shouldn't be in a place where we need the chastening, it should be an encouragement to us to know that God is chastening us. That God does love us enough to discipline us. And this is the same with our children. When we give our children discipline, we give our children correction. It is a measure. It is a, an example of love. It's an example of our love for them. It's an example of the fact that we are showing them that we are putting boundaries up in their lives for their own good, for their benefit. I know children don't receive it that way at first, and they don't receive it or understand it until they get older. They don't have the appreciation for it when they're young. But as they get older, they do have an understanding and they do have a, an appreciation. And there should be for every child of God an appreciation of the fact that God is dealing with us because it is a confirmation that not only he loves us, but that we are his child. You'll notice he says in verse 10, for what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? Is there a, a son? Is there a child of God that is not disciplined from God or corrected by God from time to time? The answer to that question is no. Every one of us need correction. Every one of us need discipline from time to time. God has to deal with us. And when he does deal with us, when he does bring about correction in our lives, it is a confirmation of the fact that we are his child. And again, it's a confirmation for those that were walking away, for those that had chosen not to continue, uh, that they were his child as well as God is dealing with them. Verse 8, he continues this thought. He says, but if you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, and the conclusion of the writer of Hebrews is that everyone is a partaker. Every child of God is a partaker of discipline or correction at some point. He would say, then are ye bastards and not sons. Again, to be a child of God, to be legitimately born again, is to come to him by faith and to receive what he has done for us at Calvary, It's not based on our works or our baptism or any such thing. It's based solely and primarily on our faith and trust in Christ. And when we do that, we are genuinely born again, adopted and brought into God's family as a result of that exchange that takes place. We are his child. And the only people that, again, the only people outside of this correction are those that are not his children. He says, if you're without chastisement, then you're bastards and not sons. If these people that are coming and they're choosing to willfully walk away, they're choosing their sin and they're keeping their weights, and God doesn't deal with you, God doesn't speak to you, God doesn't help put you back on the right path, then it's evidence that you're not his child at all. And so he helps us understand this connection of relationship that God often deals with us in the matter of conviction, uh, bringing conviction to our heart, desire to get our hearts and our lives right with him and walk with him in a particular way. In verses 9 and 10 of our text, he talks about reverence in correction. Reverence in correction. He said, furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? That is, all of us had fathers who were responsible for correcting us. All of us have had parents to keep us on the right path and keep us on the right track. And we were commanded in the scriptures and told to give them reference. It was an expected thing to reverence them, even though they were doling out some measure of discipline in our lives. And he tells us in this passage, shouldn't we also respect our father who's disciplining us? That is, we should be subject to him, understand that what he's doing in our lives is also for our good. Shouldn't we surrender to him and, and live and, and have that kind of, of life testimony that we are subjected to God? Verse 10, he continues this. He says, for they verily, that is our fathers, our earthly fathers, for they verily, for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure. When a father corrects, he often corrects because uh, he wants you to do right. He wants you to be an example. He wants you to not besmirch the family name. He wants you to not bring reproach upon his name and his reputation. And so he's, again, teaching us here in this passage that we give them respect. And when they do it, they do it oftentimes for their own benefit and their own pleasure. But that's not the way that God chastises us. He would say, but he that is God for our profit that we might be partakers of his holiness. God's desire is not just for his own namesake, but God's desire is for us, for us to live in a certain way that we benefit, that we can receive the benefit of his blessings, and his hand of blessing can be opened to us in our lives, that God, when he benefits, not just for his own profit, but for our profit, he does what's good for us in our lives. And then in verse number 11, we find out that as we submit to that discipline, As we surrender to that correction and God's doing it for our profit, there's some results that take place that are very constructive. And that's what we see in verse 11, results that are constructive. Verse 11, now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. That is, we never go to the woodshed with God and are happy about it. It's never pleasant to be in that place. But again, pleasant and necessary are often two different things. And what we do for our children is necessary, and what God does for us is necessary. Because you notice the end of the verse, he says, afterward, after the discipline, after the chastising experience, it yielded the peaceable fruit of righteousness, that is, the goal here is for God to bring you back to a path of righteousness, choosing right things, holy things, just things, to live in that way, to live a life that reflects the fact that you've been rescued by the gospel. He says, the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. That is, those that are exercised, those that are at go through the exercise of discipline and judgment and go through that experience, They yield the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Now, this peaceable fruit of righteousness is going to create a response, a proper response in us. Notice he said it's the peaceable fruit of righteousness. And that's what he's going to deal with beginning in the next verses, beginning in verses 12 to 17. He'll pick up and he'll talk about how the peaceable fruit of righteousness will yield some results or a response in our lives to that correction and we'll pick up there next week. Well, we want to thank you so much for joining us here at Wisdom and the Word. Uh, We're thankful that you've joined us for Tune Up Tuesday. Now, remember, on Thursday, we'll be answering your questions. If you have questions that you'd like to submit, we want to encourage you to email us at podcast dot w a t w at gmail.com podcast dot w a t w at gmail.com it'll be a great help to us if you would submit those questions we'll add them to our list and we'll continue we hope to see you on thursday thank you so much for joining us for this tune up tuesday here at wisdom and the word god bless thank you for listening to today's episode of wisdom and the word podcast If you've enjoyed today's episode, we invite you to support us by subscribing, rating, and reviewing this show on your favorite podcast app and sharing something you've learned on social media. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope to see you next time on Wisdom in the Word.